Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Welcome to the WSO Weekly Wrap-Up, where I talk with my team about the five most trending discussions in the Wall Street Oasis community. Enjoy. All right, everybody, welcome to the second weekly wrap-up call. We are going to quickly go through, I think, the top four this week uh, over the next kind of 20-ish minutes, just trying to cover our opinions, our thoughts of some of the most controversial and interesting discussions happening in on the WCO forums. So, Matt, go ahead and kick us off. Perfect. All right, guys. Excited for this week here. we got four interesting topics. First and foremost here, is it just me or P Associates getting garbage these days? Uh, within this topic, we saw some pretty interesting responses here. Um, they're highlighting that this problem is especially um, prevalent within the last two classes of hires um, and that there's been a lot of dud associates now again. Um, but I think it's just from the, uh, we're, we're assuming that might just be aggressive, borderline, or even just hostile attitude from some of these individuals that are joining the firm. So Pat, um, lead us off here. What, what are your thoughts on on the quality of P associates? I mean, we've been hearing a lot of this, um, not just in private equity, but investment banking. A lot of these uh, kids coming in, um, I think, never really had the in-office kind of experience and the mentorship that a lot of people get in banking. And so they're hired. They come out of undergrad. They're basically given a job almost two years ahead in advance. So they have less incentive to work hard in banking, number one. Number two, um, they don't have those modeling skills they are coming in. They don't have that mentorship. They don't really, you know, if they're forced to go back in the office, it's a little more awkward. Um, and yeah, a lot of them are just don't have their heart in it. They've been following kind of the path and they find themselves in the promised land of private equity, but not really wanting it. And so I think we're seeing um, a lot of people complaining about this. I know we did see some people kind of have taking a different angle. I don't know if Nabil, you want to talk about that <laughs> or Matt? Yeah. I mean, it depends really, right? Like, the other, I mean, the other side was that is the manager like the one who's being an asshole or whatever. Uh, it, it, I don't know really, but like B and I B like usually are known for having these hard bosses, right? The ones who push you around, I guess. So I wouldn't like lean in too much and say it's the boss. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it's expected. Investment bankers, they tell you when they can go, you can go to the bathroom. Private equity, they kind of leave you alone, but like it's more cutthroat in in a way. It's like a more quietly yeah. cutthroat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think, yeah. and I think that's the thing because there's not those guardrails there in PE, and and a lot of these people coming from IB don't have those battle wounds, so to speak, because they're either you know getting getting the, the the offer to join PE within you know we've even heard Pat from some of the calls that we've had with our with our business clients within like eight months some of these kids are ready to gain oh, yeah. potions. Sometimes even like if it's a top Ivy League school, they're getting offers for PE before they even start their IB. Yeah. Um, job so, so i think it's like the lack of battle wounds um you know or just uh, the failures that come from a new job in ib that is inevitable um and you know just not learning those those skills and those traits that obviously then don't get you know passed on throughout other uh, other careers you may have of which p um is typically absolutely. one of them 
Exactly. Uh, do you think that uh, joiners should have the opportunity to shine at work and to handle uh, challenging assignments and the project that allow them to, to take more responsibility and to demonstrate their abilities? I think so. Yeah, ideally, yes. I think the issue is what the what the VP is complaining about here is that they don't have they have entitled like an entitled attitude, but they don't actually have follow through. Well, that's Gen Z for you, Pat. <laughs> that's, that's Are you everyone. part of Gen Z, Matt? Aren't you part of Gen Z? <laughs> no, no, I'm. Uh, oh, you're out I'm, of it. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, definitely not Gen Z. Um, you're close though, right? Ninety-four. Yeah, so uh, not Gen Z. I'm Gen Z. So, uh oh, Nabil. <laughs> yeah, ninety-seven. So, anyways, so wanna? Yeah, we can move. Yeah. On. Yeah, nonetheless, great, great combo there, guys. So uh, the second trending topic that we were uh, seeing in the forums this week, what are the key lessons from Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley layoffs? Um, again, what we've been seeing for some some comments from some, some top uh, top users that these layoffs were not performance related at all. Um, and they also weren't receiving bonuses after working you know pretty diligently for 12 months straight, which could definitely be frustrating. Um, so Pat, you want to give your, your insight on that one there? Uh, yeah, first off, they're never going to tell you it's performance related because they're going to like try to lessen the blow and make it feel a little bit better. Number two, um, in terms of like the the bonuses not getting paid out, that does really suck because even though bonuses are not required in banking, it's one of those ones where everyone knows you're you're putting in the super long hours for that bonus and for that Thanks. So I think it's pretty it's pretty cold to do it right before, or at least not pay out like a low bonus to them or something lower. Like to to pay a zero or what they call a donut in the industry is rough. <laughs> I was I know it's not I, I know bonuses are never like it's never a contractual obligation, but I will say I think within the banking realm, bonuses are like most common. You know, other jobs people do get bonuses, but that's more like if the business really crushes it. Like if you're yeah, in. Yeah you know, a retail business or whatever other, you know, career you may have. But I think within banking specifically, it almost is like bonuses are entitled. So I think if you are putting up a donut for, for people, that definitely pisses people off. And it's going to, I think, stick with with that firm for a bit because the industry is small from what we know. Um, and, and we're having our calls or just interacting in the forums. There's a lot of people know a lot of people within Wall Street. Wall Street's big, but it's also very small. I think people got so pissed they even put something on the forums like, is Goldman even a bulge bracket in, even anymore? Go ahead. Yeah, me. do you guys think they're able to like pull it off because of the brand name? Like people still I mean it's Goldman and Mog, I mean MS, so like do whatever. People still keep applying, still want to get in for the brand name. Yeah, I think that, that won't, uh, I mean, one bad year of maybe, yeah. you know, no bonuses and will, the, the won't do that are, much. Yeah, the layoffs are everywhere. Like, they're, everyone's it's, taking advantage, yeah. even Google and the tech side is, like, taking advantage. Yeah. It's, like, using this opportunity. Well, well, you know, a good response I actually saw is it's all about risk-reward, I think, at the end of the day, from, like, a career level. So, obviously, in good times, bankers get paid boatloads of money. But then in bad times, obviously, again, I don't agree with the zero, but maybe Pat, like what you said, a, a smaller bonus mm -hmm. just to at least acknowledge um, some work. So even if it's, you know, like 15% of what your full bonus would have been, whatever. Yeah. Um, but also, I think people do have to take a step back and understand that there is the risk reward. Um, you know, you're in a high risk career. So what do you think about, I mean, what do you think about the severance? So, I mean, I think they all got pretty good severance. It's kind of like a bonus being paid out over several months anyways. 
Um, but yeah. yeah, it's I guess it just the the optics of it look bad when it's a zero, and it's like oh yeah, but we're, uh, we're and also just coming off the back of what like a 12, 12 year bull market when anything's everything's been good. So a lot of these people forget what it was like in in oh seven and and oh eight, um, mm-hmm. and then in tough times prior because we haven't had a lot of tough times um, for a long time for for the past decade or so. Um, but great. Okay, cool. Let's let's move on, guys. Let's keep it uh, keep it fresh here. Uh, third trending topic of the week, Sarah. This one's coming your way here. Are the hours in banking dangerous, and how do you manage sleep deprivation? Um, some people were were mentioning in the forums again that you know, is it asking the question, which is absolutely ludicrous. Is it physically dangerous to sleep for less than five hours a week? Uh, sorry, five hours a day during the during the week, um, and that some people are staying up typically to three to four a.m. Um, on a daily basis. So Sarah, what are your thoughts on on how to manage uh, sleep deprivation and are the hours overall dangerous in banking? Um, I think no one can persist for years if uh, this is the case. Um, I think they should maintain work-life balance and uh, be more organized uh, in their uh, tasks to work uh, efficiently. Definitely easier said than done, I would say. Pat, I know you spent a couple of years in banking. What were some tips that uh, that you could provide everyone? Um, I had a pillow at my desk. I would sleep <laughs> under my desk. I'm not joking. <laughs> when needed, I even to the point where sometimes when I was waiting for turns at like two or three in the morning, I'd take my pillow and go into one of the MD's offices and lay down because one of them had a couch. And so yeah, I was going to nicer there. offices. <laughs> yeah, but you gotta you gotta put your ringer. I'd have the door open. I'd put my ringer on my phone all the way up. Um, I'll muff my cell and my and my office phone so that I'd wake up if it started ringing. Um, did, did MD ever come in and, and catch you sleep on the couch? No. Or has that ever happened to anyone else at the firm? <laughs> no, but I have slept in a stall too, in his toilet, on the on, just sitting on the Jeez. toilet, not even going to the bathroom, just sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was uh, sleep deprivation is tough. I, I remember I worked a forty a forty one hour day, so basically was in the office for forty one hours straight, um, and then usually usually the bad days were like you know twenty hours straight, thirty you know thirty hours is really bad. But one one time I didn't go to home for like two all-nighters in a row um and that at that point by the end you're kind of delusional and like drunk you act like a drunk person basically you have the impulse control of a drunk person and you <laughs> so it's like you know you can imagine how useful you are at that point and everyone's like just go home um i don't know i don't know what your thoughts i don't know nabil works pretty long hours he stays up to insane so maybe nabil, you, you tell I mean, him. get it uh getting some naps right like during the day that's what works for me always just like whenever you can get those small naps in so you're like a little fresh yeah but then yeah even if you can't get I've, like the long eight hour sleep or whatever that people keep talking about i've actually like these... i've jumped on that trend to be with the naps i've been taking uh i do like a nice 20 20 minute power nap and i've been doing it now for maybe about a year i love oh, wow. it I, I typically yeah. do a little bit later in my evenings because then it gives me that extra juice at night um you have, trouble getting, you have trouble getting in bed though if you if you do that late nap uh no actually uh well i mean i i go to bed pretty late but yeah. i think that's just yeah. me like I, i'm i'm one of those people now i've actually become pretty productive in the later hours of the night because i think it's just you know quiet it's just to myself yeah. and i could really pump out some good work then yeah um so i think that's why i do take that nap at that time because for me east coast i'm probably up until 1 30 uh yeah realistically on average and but again those two hours at night or three hours at night are are my time to grind and i rather sacrifice the evenings where it's a little bit more seeing people whether it's going to the gym more lively where it's hard to stay focused but 
yeah, naps are huge. How about uh, anyone uh, finding time to exercise? I know that's harder because it takes more time of your day. But Pat, were you exercising at all as a banker? I know a lot of people say when you become a banker, um, as a banker, not, much. not yeah. much. Yeah, yeah, as a banker, not much. Just so diet's like super important. You know, stay away from the simple sugars and you know, unfortunately, seamless. I don't know if it's still seamless or Grubhub or whatever. It's it's tough because you're getting good meals delivered to you every day. And, every and, night. Works, and works paying for it. And works, and works paying for, for it every night because you're there past, you know, eight or nine, whatever the, the cutoff is. Um, so it's tough. You're getting like steak and you know, Thai food and like, you know, yeah, there's usually that one, that one coworker that tempts you, you, you try to be healthy, but then there's that one person yeah. that's coming out the door and you see the food they're getting and you don't want to grab a salad and, and be yeah. that guy or that girl. Um, anyways, all right. Last, last uh, topic here, guys, before we, uh, we wrap it up. So the fourth and final trending topic of the week, uh, Nabil, this one's going to be coming your way here. Feels like I'm being promoted too early. Um, you know, from an outsider that someone would be like, what do you mean? Like obviously take the promotion, but obviously um, there, there could also be some cons with it. And that was highlighted in the forums as well. So, Specifically, uh, one individual made made reference that he's had one and a half years in audit, um, only has done one year in consulting, and is already getting thrown into a double promotion, um, where you typically need about four years of experience as a consultant to get. So specifically, becoming a senior consultant now, um, and this is at a top twenty consultancy. Um, so obviously, he, he's questioning, you know, is this a little bit too premature for him, Nabil? Um, what are your thoughts on this here? Um. I think like a balanced approach, it depends on person, it depends on the team. To be honest, uh, like if w the good thing is like if someone trusts you to get promoted, like if you're whoever your boss thinks you're good enough, then you don't have to worry too much. There's something in you. But then there's the other part where you're like advancing too fast where you might just crash and burn. Like the pressure might just be too much, especially if you don't know what that new role entails. Like imagine you, it's it's more important to ask the right questions. Like what would you be doing? And then kind of measure yourself. Honestly, just go back to the drawing room and think, um, do I have the skill set to take on this new role? And if you don't, like kind of just avoid it and not take it. This, but then at the same so time, if you know, like you like you could ask your boss itself, like be like, hey, what do you what do you think? Like, why do you think I'm gonna fit that role or whatever? And if it's a big firm, usually it's someone vouching for you. So you'd have to find out who's vouching for you and then uh, probably talk to them. It could be your team leaders, it could be people in your team who probably gave you good ratings. That's how it usually works. Mm -hmm. So then talk to people and kind of find out what your strengths are and and why you would fail if you had to fail and address do, those points pretty much. Do you guys think it looks bad if you decline the promotion? How do you think the optics look on that? Right, because I, I agree with you, Nabil, right? Like, but my plain devil's advocate here is, you know, also at times businesses, like, they can be cruel. And what I'm trying to say here is like, at the end of the day, a lot of people say, you know, employees are just expendable. If, you know, they'll, they'll fire you the next day, your seat's filled again. And so yeah. are they, is this double promotion coming on the back of, you know, they're desperate, they need someone to fill that. And it might not yeah. even be that, th that the boss or, you know, the, the person in charge here really does think you, you could su succeed. They're just thinking, hey, we need to put someone in this seat here. Let's give it a shot. And if you fail, they'll, they'll can you and, and they'll put someone else in the seat there, right? So I've started turning, especially large corporates, that that personal or like that, that they actually do care for large corporates, I don't think exists for small businesses, startups. Of course it does. I, I do feel it. Um, so what do you guys think on that? Like, is it bad to say no? And, and is it even, should you be coming in the angle where you're thinking, you know, they're actually trying to do something good for me or is it more for their self-interest and the business's self-interest? I don't know. Sorry, opinion. 
Mm, I think um, it's crazy if uh, someone refused uh, to be promoted. Um, I think uh, you just uh, have to uh, work hard and adjust. Yeah, I think it's a really tough one. I think, yeah. I think if you're at a large corporate, it, it is a little bit more scary. I think what you'd probably want to do, and it's kind of like, threading the middle here is saying, well, you know, I feel like it's a little bit of a reach for me, given my skill set. What if we give me six months, you know, give me a, let me say start as a consultant, but let me like, can you mentor me and try to find somebody to really kind of hold your hand? Because, you know, theoretically, you know, the job, if you're seeing kind of what the senior associates or senior consultants have already been doing, you know, in a few projects, uh, you know, or a few engagements in consulting, you should be picking up some of that. Um, and usually it's just a little bit more like client facing, a little more interaction. But if you're like, if you're freaked out and you have no clue what you're doing, for sure, you shouldn't just be like, yeah, I'll take the double promotion and try to like, try to just put it off a little bit. Be like, hey, I think I'd be better served to have a, a mentor or another senior consultant that's been in the role for two or three years. Can I shadow them on a few engagements? Can I do all that so that you're kind of starting to kind of vi visualize yourself in terms of what you need to do to, to manage? Because those roles, those middle those middle manager roles are really hard. They're really hard because you're on top of deliverables. You're on top of managing a junior team suddenly below. And then client facing as well. It's right? super hard. Yeah. So like you're, you're juggling a lot. So you have to have a lot of different skill sets. It's not just suddenly about like being good in Excel and PowerPoint. Um, and, and just work. Not, not process driven anymore. And now it's more yeah. people. Well, it's both. People it's everything. Driven. Yeah. It's everything. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> hybrid of both. Um, yeah. Well, I would say this though, honestly, Kudos for this guy because obviously we come in with the double promotions, probably a lot more money. So at least he's putting some <laughs> some thought right behind it and not just seeing dollar signs and just jumping at it. At least he's being a lot more you know methodical and thoughtful with his career. Yeah. Um, I think you always say if you're if you're gonna bet, bet on yourself, right? So I mean, yeah. So Sarah would take it. Sarah would say, "Screw it, just take it," and uh, <laughs> and just try to run yeah. as fast as you can. But then the fact that you have to ask the question also like kind of gets you to the point where you're like, mm, maybe not. <laughs> That's probably the right answer just because uh, if you have to, if you're not confident, you probably are not going to make it. Because well, he or she's looking for validation from other people. Exactly. Right? But I think he knows <laughs> the answer deep down inside. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, yeah. It's hard. I mean, you see this in like more lean firm, like larger corporates, like it's tough, but more lean firms were like, for example, when I was at Rothschild, like my associate got fired. And suddenly I was, as an, a first-year analyst, I was working like directly with the VP. Um, it's funny, the associate got fired. He was an HBS grad. Like it was a disaster. He thought he was like God's gift and had no banking background. And it was, it was a bad news. But yeah, the VP was great. He kind of took me under his wing. He was like basically invested in me to, to learn. And I, uh, I, you know, my skills just like accelerated. I was able to just turn out a ton more work, help run the deal, not run the deal, but uh, help kind of keep things afloat. Well, since then we just basically ran the deal with no associate. So um, it was a lot of work, but it can be done. Is that why you had those long odds? <laughs> yeah, I also worked with a specific MD that was notorious for long hours. Um, you know, 3, 3 a.m., 4 a.m. turns for like footnote, like edits to footnotes and commas in the footnotes. Jeez. Literally, I was doing calls at 4 a.m. at my queue. <laughs> he was like, page number 233. But, he's probably whispering. Yeah, he's, he's like, he doesn't want to wake yeah, up he's at home. He's like, there's kids. He's, he's like, footnote number seven, we missed a comma on this word. And I'm like, I remember thinking to myself, like, oh my gosh. That's brutal. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. All right, well, on, on that note, I think that was a great combo, guys. Uh, 
keep this one uh, nice and short here. But nonetheless, appreciate you, Patrick, Sarah, Nabil. It's all great having this conversation. Uh, and we'll be back next week, guys. And thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, Patrick at WallStreetOasis.com. Until next time.